Greek international forward Yorgos Yagomigas. That is I his, am Yorgos. Yes, that is his uh, his name. You get to know it. Yorgos Yagomakis. We need to talk to you about Yorgos. <laughs> <laughs> so Conti, Mike Conti, our boss, earlier today, he had a, he literally played it from the press conference, and I listened to it three times. Yeah, I, I got the pronunciation as well. I'm not going to argue about it. I'm just saying uh, it, the guy's got a difficult last name. Bottom line is we're going to have to learn it. This is Dukes and Bell. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is Dukes and Bell, and he hopefully is going to be a hell of a player for us. We will see. He will be introduced by Atlanta United uh, on Friday. That was Mike and I talking about it. The official press release is out. Um, and, again, when you get these international players sometimes, right, mm. they have um, videos. They have enunciation uh, charts. Uh, they will even put out um, the player pronouncing his own name so that people can get it right. And, you know, for years it was like Tua Tonga Bailoa, right? It was like, well, how do you say it? And Tua is telling people how you say it. But you get these international players, and sometimes it takes a minute. But, Mike, I think we're going to be using him, his name right. quite a bit during the season. I just think we're going to go to that commercial, I am Yorgos. So this dude, again, established star for Celtic uh, over there in Scotland. And uh, hopefully we'll be, uh, you know, again, we, we have a completely new look to this team because, let's be honest, didn't score enough goals last year. A lot of those guys that were paid a lot of money and they didn't score the goals are gone. So uh, Garth Lagerway is reshaping this team as best he can in his image. All right, let's talk some dogs with our guy, Connor K. Riley. Dukes and Bell on the sidelines with, with the dogs. The Dog Report is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, a proud partner of the Georgia Bulldogs. And I might have switched that and reversed it with K. Connor Riley. He is from Dog Nation. All right, the big question as we move forward towards now the combine is who's going for the dogs, Connor? Who's going to be there? And more importantly, who do you think needs to really show out? Like, because some of these guys are projected first-rounders already. Who needs to go and really do something special? Yeah, so Georgia had 12 players invited to the Combine today. Uh, that is the second most in college football. Only Alabama has more with 13. Uh, I think you know, Stetson Bennett's an obvious one, and it's not even so much that he needs to go there. You know, because quarterbacks so rarely wow at that event. I'll be interested in seeing what he runs. And obviously what he measures in that as well, his hand size, I think is going to, I actually think maybe help Stetson Bennett a little bit because he does have a decent-sized hand. And, and that has been somewhat predictive of how quarterbacks end up doing while he's not going to measure in the biggest. I, I do think he might measure in bigger than I think some people expect. He is closer to six feet than he is not. Uh, as far as the guys, there are three, in my opinion, that need to test well slash do well. And one of them, we're not certain if he's going to be able to test. That's Nolan Smith. Uh, you know, he's still coming back from his pectoral injury. Last I had checked in on it, there's the thought that maybe in April he might be able to fully run and test and be fully clear and ready to go to show teams what he can do because there is some thought that he might be a first-round pick given all that he meant to Georgia in the variety of ways that he can do things. You know, he's not a, a pure pass rusher, but he's an outside linebacker that can do a lot of things for you. The other two guys are Darnell Washington and Keely Ringo. I mean, Washington won just to get the actual measurements on him and see how well he tests. If he tests well – I think there's a chance he ends up sneaking into the back half of the first round there. Mm. And then with Ringo, look, there have been a lot of questions on him. A lot of draft people didn't love the tape that he put out this past year. But if he goes out there and runs a 4-3-5, and importantly for him, I think tests really well in the short shuttle, some of the short area quickness growth, mm. it's going to be impossible for a team not to draft him based on his tools. And so if Washington 
Keely Ringo and Nolan Smith are able to test well, I think they're really going to be able to help themselves and cement themselves right. as first-round picks. I know N'Kobe Dean, everybody wanted him, but the size and the pectoral issue kind of pushed him in. Again, we haven't really seen him yet because the Eagles lineup is stacked. He hasn't had a chance to crack the lineup, but Nolan Smith will project higher. And then I know we've debated this because of the – it's moving on the – flat, the flat feet and moving the hips is always the argument about Keeley from the, the so-called experts. You don't think he'd ever take a shot at playing free safety or you say he's going to be a corner in the league? I think he wants to try to be a corner in the league. Corners just get paid more than safeties. They also get drafted higher than safeties. And, and so there's more of a value there. But I, I think one of the things that sort of gets lost in Keely Ringo, like, yeah, he's not a perfect cornerback. He did not, you know, if you're looking for height, like he's not the slam dunk, Darrell Revis, Richard Sherman is prime type cornerback. But he did a lot of really good things for Georgia this past year. And if you go back and watch that game against Ohio State, I know Marvin Harrison had a really big game that day. Not all that was on Keely Ringo. And Keely made some plays in that game. Yes, he did give one of the touchdowns. But not all of the stuff that you saw this past season was on Keely. And, and look, you know, I got, knowing him a little bit, knowing his journey, this is a guy with his character I feel very comfortable, you know, betting on, believing that this guy's going to figure out how to be a really talented cornerback at the next level. I think the option to move him to safety is there. But, look, Kirby Smart knows a hell of a lot more about defensive backs than I do than he does about – and he knows more about defensive backs than a lot of people do. If this guy thought that Keeley could be a better free safety, he absolutely would have moved him there and played him there. But he felt very confident and comfortable sticking him out there at corner in the last two seasons where Georgia happened to win national championships. It's Connor Riley joining us from Dog Nation, guys. Dukes and Bell Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. And we'll get back into our discussion about what our Hawks are doing. We're a day away from the trade deadline. Also, Falcon Report straight ahead and more on LeBron breaking the all-time scoring record. Connor, um, a couple of things from Josh Brooks. One, are the dogs going to the White House? And two, what did you make of him saying that he does not think necessarily policy needs to be changed after the tragic accident that happened that took the lives of, uh, you know, two, two young people, and a lot of people said, do they need to change the policy? Am I hearing him right? He said that, right? He doesn't believe that that was the reason or that, that it doesn't need to be adjusted? Yeah, they're still reviewing some of the policies that they have in place with this. We got a chance to talk with him yesterday after the athletic board meeting. And one of the things that he had stressed was that rental car that they were driving was supposed to be returned. It had not been. Uh, the usage of that vehicle, especially at that time of night, was unauthorized per university policy there. And the investigation into that is obviously still ongoing as they try to, again, you know, piece everything together that led to the unfortunate accident that took the lives of Devin Willick and Chandler LaCroix there. As far as the White House visit, uh, they are still trying to sort that out and, and figure out when that might potentially happen. Josh Brooks is unaware of when that might come together. Uh, one thing I will note, one, this has the, the college football championship team has not gone to the White House since uh, 2020 pre-pandemic, essentially. And the last couple of teams that did go to the White House went almost immediately after their national championships. And, and that kind of makes sense when you consider, you know, guys going off the party and getting ready for the NFL draft and going into classes and things like that. At Georgia, you know, obviously uh, the tragic passing of LaCroix and Willick, I think, played into part of that not happening as quickly as it did after the fact. And so, you know, getting the right people and getting everyone there to be recognized is going to be a little tough to pull off in terms of the logistical challenges of getting it, people there to the White House. But I should note as well, people want to see it. I do think that there is bipartisan – I know there's bipartisan support on both sides of the aisle to get Georgia to the White House there. And I do think Georgia would be open to having 
uh, the opportunity to go meet with President Biden, have that showcase and be there. I just, you know, Kirby Smart also really values recruiting, and I don't think he's necessarily going to want to give up a recruiting weekend to go do that on a weekend, uh, obviously. Hey, man, the big question we've been talking about the last couple of weeks because he's still linked to the Ravens. Second interview, do you know anything about Todd Munkin? I know you guys had an article that came out in Dog Nation saying they'll make him the highest, if he's not already the highest, make him the higher highest paid assistant. Talk about Todd Munkin. Yeah, he's already the highest paid offensive coordinator in the sport, at least among public schools, you know, obviously private schools. Uh, they're not privy to sharing how much they are paying their coaches. But money is not going to be an issue uh, in terms of Georgia keeping Todd Munkin. Uh, he has interviewed twice with the Ravens, I believe. I know he's at least interviewed once and may have interviewed a second time for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers job. My read on this, I don't think he wants the Tampa Bay Buccaneers job. I think he sees, obviously, the Ravens job is a lot more attractive because you either have Lamar Jackson going forward or you've traded him and essentially get back a bushel of picks, one of which you would think would be used to develop a future quarterback there. But I know the Ravens are still very much trying to interview and get a lot of names out there. They're waiting on Eric Bieniemy, who I believe Adam Schefter reported today is a very intriguing candidate for both the Washington Commanders uh, offensive coordinator job and the Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator job. Uh, and, and it's worth pointing out here as well that there are still two head coach openings in the Arizona Cardinals and the Indianapolis Colts. And if those guys happen to go defense and they're looking for an offensive play caller, I still think Todd Munkin would be an attractive option there. And, and so Georgia, again, you know, if I had to guess, I don't think he takes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers job. It sounds like he's not the Ravens' first choice to be their offensive coordinator. Mm. And so if, what's today, the 8th, on February 8th, if I had to guess right now with the way things are going, I'd probably lean that Todd Munkin isn't back going to be back for Georgia next year as the offensive coordinator. Cool. Nothing's happened. Um, We've just been kind of speculating about it. And, yeah, when, with no movement, it makes me feel like he – probably is going to be back i want to ask you about the scheduling in texas and oklahoma they were trying to get out of their deals uh and it's it looks like it's not going to happen but um i know this is something else that you were talking with josh brooks about yeah so texas and oklahoma are trying to work out a deal with the with the big 12 right now in terms of potentially getting out reports coming out of that that that's not looking like it's going to happen. And the real reason why, or the big reason why, is because Fox, when they did this TV contract with the Big 12, they did it in mind thinking that Texas and Oklahoma were going to be a big part of it. They are obviously the biggest draws of the Big 12. That is ultimately why they're leaving to go join the SEC. I don't think that, the, that Fox right now is thrilled about the possibility of losing the inventory of Texas and Oklahoma games, especially to ESPN. Uh, when those games would become SEC, and obviously Fox doesn't get to broadcast any of those going forward, as those are the as the SEC will be exclusively on ESPN starting in 2024. So it sounds like, especially as we get closer and closer to it, it, it sounds like Oklahoma and Texas won't end up joining the league until 2025. And once it is sort of finalized, when Texas and Oklahoma will join the league, from there the SEC will make full decisions on what the football schedule looks like. If I had to take a guess right now, I would still probably say that we're looking at a nine-game schedule model where it is three permanent rivals for Georgia that would most likely be Auburn, Florida, and South Carolina, and then a rotation of the six other teams. That way, every two years, you're playing every member in the league, and then every four years, you're at least visiting every school in your conference. For example, Georgia and Texas A&M still have not played each other despite Texas A&M joining the league back in 2012, and I, when I say they haven't played each other, Georgia has not played at Texas A&M, right. and is still not scheduled to do so until 2024. Now, Jeez. with Texas and Oklahoma not joining the league yet, 
Mm. I think that game does get played at Texas A&M in 2024, but it, it still it, it proves, I think, the ineffectiveness of the previous scheduling model for the SEC. Connor, if Jalen Carter is the number one pick off the board, that would be back-to-back years, right, that the Dogs have had the number one pick in the draft? That would be correct. Has that ever happened? Uh, I believe Oklahoma did it in 2017 with Baker Mayfield and then Tyler Murray the next year, or 2018 NFL draft and 2019 NFL draft with Baker Mayfield and Tyler Murray. Okay. I'm just curious because that is what the dogs are doing, back-to-back years potentially. Hey, great job as always. Tell the people where they can follow you. Yep, you guys can follow me on Twitter at KConorRiley, even though it is the offseason. We'll have plenty of stuff on Munkin as that continues to develop, as well as looking ahead to next year when Georgia – Goes for a three-peat, something I would point out that LeBron James never did at the NBA level. (laughs) Shots fired. (laughs) All right, Connor, take care, man. We appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Commissioner Goodell spoke today. Mike mentioned it earlier in the show. He talked about a few different things, and we're going to let you hear what he had to say about the officiating. Everybody knows it's been garbage. It's Dukes and Danny United tickets. Stay tuned. We're going to give those away coming up. Jeff Bedoten is coming up next hour from the Believe Network. He's at Radio Row. We'll talk about the Chiefs. He covers the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll ask him, Mike, about some of the things you said. Listen, these are these are the reasons why I like the Chiefs. Right. Let's see if he agrees with us for, for Chiefs fans and people who might be betting the game about the Chiefs. Jeff's coming up at 525-45, guys. Arthur Blank is going to stop by the show and join us. All right, Roger Goodell spoke to the media today. He does this every year, state of state. Here's where we're at. Great season. Thank you for making all the money we've made. And now let me address some of the issues that are going on. The, the One of the biggest issues is officiating. And we've talked about it almost at nauseum, whether it was during the regular season when we got screwed at Tampa right. and they were the MVPs of the game, or you could talk about the playoffs. Here's Goodell talking about the officiating in the National Football League. Well, I would disagree with uh, several of the points you're making in there. So, yes, we listen to all the voices. Let's just start with that point. But we'd like to go to the facts, ultimately. So just to take your point, are we losing people from the field to the uh, the booth? Uh, there are some that never even officiated on the NFL field. And so we didn't lose anyone. May have lost them from our office, but we didn't lose them from officiating on the field. Others are taking on that responsibility at the end of their careers. So I do not think that's a factor at all, zero. Uh, I think for us, when you look at officiating, I don't think it's ever been better in the league. There are over 42,000 plays in a season. Multiple infractions could occur on any play. Take that out and extrapolate that. That's hundreds, if not millions of, of, of potential fouls. And our officials do an extraordinary job of getting those. Are there mistakes in the context of that? Yes. They are not perfect, and officiating never will. But we've also had, obviously, replay and other aspects that help us address those issues to make sure they're not uh, something that uh, we can't correct on the field. You know, a couple of things. Yeah, I mean, over the course of an entire season, Carl, yeah, you're, you're not going to get everything right. But when the games mean the most, a dukesism, Carl's phrase, you know, when the lights shine the brightest, that's when you guys got to be on your game. And to be honest, some egregious mistakes were made in the divisional round, the wild card, and, of course, the conference championship. So, I mean, these are the games that the best officials are supposed to be out there. And as I said to you earlier, Roger Goodell can sit there, he can spin it for five minutes and explain why the sun rises in the West. You know, I mean, he's a lawyer. It's what he does. But to me... I got to be honest, the average NFL career is what? Three years, three and a half? Sure. Why is the average ref there for 25 years? 
that you're telling me they get to a level and they're so good now. Mediocrity, laziness sets in. There was supposed to be accountability. I've always thought, I was under the impression there were more refs in their actual games. And let's move these guys on. I just don't understand why once you become an NFL ref, it's like a gold watch and you're basically set in the corner office for the rest of your career. Is that, I mean, and they don't even think about that, Carl. Like, how are these guys really truly judged on a year to year basis? Why is the same guys year after year? You and I remember a guy that I miss most is Gene Steratore. Yeah. He got the game moving. There were no coffee clutches. Remember, you'd hear him on the microphone. All right, let's go. What do we got? You know, and let's move it along. I think these games take far too long because the refs are the problem. Well, one particular game, Mike, was it, it was the Chiefs game, right, where they became the show? Right. It was the Chiefs game. I'm thinking back, um, Chiefs Bengals. We just saw way too much of them. Guys, the, the officials, they should be in the background. Now, you know, when they make these calls and they have to announce it, and, and part of that is they're bringing you into the game, and I'm all for that, being at games. and uh, it, but, but they should be background noise. They shouldn't be in the forefront. And that has been part of the mm. problem with how we perceive these officials. And when they're in the forefront, here's what else happens. You start to kind of become suspicious about what's going on <laughs> in these games. Now, I would never accuse anybody, especially any officiating crew, of any wrongdoing when it comes to, you know, potential calls and things of games because that gets us in a whole nother realm. Right. But when you're in the forefront and I'm seeing you way more than I need to and you're making way more calls than you need to, it makes me wonder what's going on. Here's Roger Goodell talking about diversity. Now, the, the background story on this is, you know, obviously the coaching hirings, the cycle is almost up here. We've got two more jobs that need to be filled um, and we know D'Amico Ryans took the job with the Houston Tech and Texans, but Jim Trotter, who writes for NFL Network, he was a longtime Sports Illustrated guy, and Jim's a really good reporter, asked Roger Goodell again this year, similar question that he asked him last year. What's going on with the diversity in the NFL? Well, Jim, um, I am not in charge of the newsroom, um, so I, what, I think the, the – can I answer your question? As you point out, it's the same question you asked last year. And we did go back, and we have reviewed everything we've been doing across the league. And we are looking at everything from vendors that we're working with to partners that we're working with to ownership where we've seen significant changes in diversity just this year. And I'm not specific, do not know specifically about the media business. We'll check in again with our people. But I am comfortable that we made significant progress across the league. I can't answer the specific questions. Some of the data you may have raised there may be accurate, maybe not. Last year, I was told some of it wasn't. We'll get to you on that. We want to make progress across the board, and that includes in the media room. And so those are things that we'll continue to look at and hopefully make real progress to. I can't answer because I do not know specifically what those numbers are. Hmm. And it's interesting because uh, it's funny when I heard that answer, I rolled my eyes, and I presume that uh, Jim Trotter rolled his eyes too, Carl. <laughs> That's why <laughs> get to your answer. You know, we talked. the one that really stuck out to us is you and I spent time on Nathaniel Hackett. Now, again, that is one team with the Broncos, but his resume reads the same way Eric Bieniemy's does or Byron Leftwich. Obviously, Byron Leftwich's resume took a hit this year with their, yeah. with their performance. But Nathaniel Hackett's a guy who's really working with the head coach who's calling the shots the way that Bieniemy does. But he gets plugged in over there. Matt Eberflus, a defensive coach from the Colts, is brought into the Bears. Now, again, the Bears are arguably one of the most dysfunctional organizations. They're trying to change that by bringing in the Big Ten uh, commissioner. The Dolphins did hire technically minority Mike McDaniel, uh, you know, the former uh, 49ers assistant. O'Connell went to the Vikings. That was a good hire. Dable went to the Giants. That was a good hire. 
But you could argue the Eberflus and the, uh, you know, and the Hackett hire were kind of screwy, and that was kind of the old boys network on that one. Yeah, and that's I mean, Trot- and the, to Trotter's point. It's uh, and, and Roger's talking about the numbers and all that stuff. And listen, if he answers that in the wrong way, it's going to mm. come back to bite him. So he's going to be very careful about how he puts that out there. It's Dukes and Bell at Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. One other thing he was asked about is the Pro Bowl. Was it better than what it was? Where is it going? What is it going to look like 5, 10, 15 years from now? Or will we even have one? And our team, and I give our team, Peter O'Reilly, and so many others in our organization incredible um, kudos for reevaluating everything we did there and coming up with a concept that our players love, that they were part of making those changes. And when I was there on Thursday, I, the players were just, uh, they, were, they were wonderful. They loved it. They were embracing it. They thought this was a great forum. I love watching it because you got to see the players' personality. You got to see their faces. Uh, you got to see them compete. Uh, they love the fly game. So I think we have a lot to build on there. Uh, and I, I don't see us going back in any way. I think this is uh, the future for us. Flag is such an important initiative for us uh, with boys, girls, men, and women. There, there's just an opportunity here for us to grow our game globally with flag football. I mean, and there's high schools that are adopting it in California now and high schools around the South. we got women's teams here. So, I mean, I understand that aspect of it, Carl. You yeah, it's funny, when you and I were looking at video from 1993 that got posted from some NFL meme of the Pro Bowl back then with real hitting, block punts, Brett Favre getting squished. Yeah, that, that's long gone. These guys, they seem to have enjoy, they seem to enjoy themselves and a percentage of the fans and liked it. So, all right, I'm, I guess that's the way it's going to go. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to watch it, but I mean, the people seemed, some, some people enjoyed it. It was, it, was, was, it was only better because you felt like guys cared. At the end of the game, as I said, the competition – went up a notch, and you felt like guys cared. Hey, I do want to mention this because it's kind of a big deal. DeMar Hamlin was named the 2023 NFL PA Allen Page Community Award winner. Hmm. They announced it today. The award goes to the player who goes above and beyond to perform community service in his city or hometown. We now know, right, he raised more than $9 million on that GoFundMe account that started for Toy Drive. Hmm. And, of course, Played in 29 games in two seasons, 13 starts with the Bills as a safety. So congratulations, DeMar Hamlin. It's been a crazy year for him, but uh, he's being honored today as the Allen Page Community Award winner. Let's give you a chance to win Atlanta United tickets right now at 404-741-0929. 404-741-0929. Caller 10 is going to win Atlanta United tickets. We'll give another pair away before the end of the day. Mike, what do we got coming up in Guy Talk? All right, man, strange story, Carl, out of Arizona and the Super Bowl. Why has Michael Irvin been kicked off NFL Network's coverage of the Super Bowl? Stay tuned. Hump Day, Super Bowl week. Arthur Blank's going to join us, guys, about 545, about an hour from now. So stay tuned for that. Our first chance to talk to the boss and the owner. And uh, it's been a minute on uh, Dukes and Bell. Carl, the uh, show is brought to you by our buddies at uh, Hey Man Ale. We got some on display. We're on uh, TV, by the way, guys, on Twitch. So you can watch us. Check out Twitch. The link is up at 929 The Game as well. Carl's down here. He's got Skyhawks tonight. That's why it's a split screen of you in a freeze frame and, and me. <laughs> trying to suck in my stomach as we speak. Um, by the way, uh, you know, it's funny. Squidbilly brought up a great topic 
really got a lot of attraction on this earlier about uh, Little Debbie cakes and your favorite Little Debbie cakes, whether it's in a snack machine or you're buying it at a convenience store or whatever. I Just real quick, I just want to use my platform, Carl, to speak about an issue which is important to me and perhaps to many folks who move down here from the north. Entenmann's and the drivers of the trucks. Why can't you put chocolate chip cookies in every store? Why, why is it like lemon cake and there's no chocolate chip cookies? The only thing you really, really want from Entenmann's is the chocolate chip cookies. I say the greatest chocolate chip cookies ever made, mass-produced, other than mom's. Where do you, uh, where do you get where do you get? When yours? they're available at your neighborhood, Publix or Kroger. Okay. But, I mean, but this sick son of a gun who drives the trucks, they put all these things I never want. I mean, I didn't know Entenmann's had all these products. Like Squidbilly was mentioned in 17 different flavors of Little Debbie cakes. By the way, have you guys ever had Entenmann's chocolate chips? Chris Nod, Squidbill, you ever had them? The best. It's a little pinch of salt that they put in it. It makes it all the flavor, Carl. It's the best. I'm just saying, for the guy, the Publix and Tyrone, that's the one that needs the chocolate chip cookies. Thank you. So every once in a while, Carl, you can use this, you know, this 100,000-watt megaphone to try to, you know, spin things into your, you know, into what you want. Just throw it out there. Or or get out of a ticket. (laughs) (laughs) That was in North Carolina. Oh, my bad. My bad. By the way, Carl, (laughs) Carl, I had my speaker. When I talked my way out of that ticket and uh, going up to Charlotte for the for the Falcons right. Panthers game, that's right. And that's I was right. like, I was like, white privilege. Okay, man. Um, Michael Irvin apparently in some hot water, Uh-oh. and and it's I don't want to uh, you know accuse him of anything because no one really knows what he may or may not have did or done. I should say, but apparently after a night out in uh, Phoenix, he returns to his uh, hotel in Glendale, and there's some interaction with a with a woman, and whether somebody overheard something or she made a beef. All of a sudden, uh, NFL Network tells Mike he's not going to be a part of the pregame festivities. And Michael goes on Dallas radio and says, I don't even know what I did. What? Why does? Why do these issues, first of all, Mike, I kind of thought he revived his career. I right. mean, we've seen him on uh, on uh, first take. He's always been doing stuff on NFL Network. He kills that. And really right. had any issues. I mean, like, the, the playmaker is so much fun, man. We've had him on the show so so, what did he do? Like I don't even know. Like what right. did he do that is going to allow him or not allow him to be on this pregame show? Here's now? here's what the Dallas Morning News has so okay. far. He also right. went on uh, our buddy Shannon RJ show on the Fan in Dallas, and he basically said there's a lot going on. I come back in the hotel, and uh, I, I I may have spoke to a woman for less than a minute, and I went up to my room. So again, it's a it's a weekend of the Super Bowl. So I'm not, I'm not going to cast any aspersions. Maybe Mike was overserved, whatever. But he comes back in the hotel. I don't know. Did he say something untoward toward this woman? He basically says, I have wow. no recollection of this, but apparently something got back to the guys running the NFL Network, and they've announced that moving forward he's not going to be uh, doing anything. He was part of the interviews talking to the players on the uh, opening night on Monday. Yeah, and he did a really good job. I mean, he, you know, first it's Michael Irvin, so guys, you know, they open up to him. I just uh, – So, Mike- again, it's it's now, of course, TMZ and everybody is speculating. What did he hit on somebody? And what de- what is the definition in 2023 of hitting on someone? Well, yeah, I was going to you know? say, so what if he did – like I, I I I don't know, man. I mean, I just I'm so over this sensitivity stuff about. Right. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to offend anybody. Everybody, you know, I, I want to respect everybody. But at the end of the day, like to your point, Mike, what can you and can you not say? Did he say hello in a very sexual way to a yeah. young lady? And hey, she girl, was you're looking good, girl. I don't no, know. I, I don't, don't know. Either. I don't know. So either way. Now, again, there's further investigation, and NFL Network wants to explain why exactly, you know, you're taking out a guy that a lot of people enjoy hearing his opinion. Now, he did have some, uh, he's had accusations before, and no charges were ever filed twice uh, back uh, 10 years ago for one case. 
Either way, a lot of confusion. And, uh, and Michael's literally saying, I don't know what I did wrong. So we'll have to wait and see what goes on with that one. Hey, man, um, you and I talked a lot the last year about Live Golf and the controversy between Live Golf and the PGA Tour. Live Golf, it all started when Phil Mickelson said, oh, man, those Saudis some crazy people. They killed that Khashoggi guy. But, hey, they're going to pay us some big money more than the PGA. That's how it got started. But you and I were – you often asked me, and we, you and I discussed – Live Golf is giving these guys crazy contracts, $100 million, $150 million to guys like Dustin Johnson and Kepka and Phil. But are they making any money? Because obviously, you know, it's, it's the Saudi Arabian TV, you know, car wash where we're going to, if you have feel, other countries do this and they use Formula One for it where you have human rights violations and you try to change your image by promoting sports. And it's been going on for years. But guess what? They didn't make a dime last year with Live Golf. Stop it. They didn't make any money. Yahoo Sports has got an article that says the lawyers uh, for Live Golf, and this is part of this ongoing lawsuit litigation, there's a couple of guys involved, including um, who we just talked about last week, the Georgia golfer that cheats all the time. Oh, you're talking about uh, Patrick Reed. Patrick, Patrick Reed. <laughs> There you go. Maybe maybe he'll throw me in that lawsuit with Randall Chambly, allegedly cheats all the time. After spending more than $700 million to bring in talent, uh, it shouldn't come as a surprise. Live Golf made little to no money in the inaugural year. And as you pointed out, mostly because where the heck do I find it on television? Yeah, it, they was don't, on, they, it was on. No, it was streaming last year. It was YouTube, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah, Mike, they don't have this big lucrative deal that's paying them multi-millions of dollars, but yet they're paying out... Over the course of these contracts, hundreds of million dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars to these golfers. I am not surprised, but I think that you know, again, the money just seems like it grows on trees over there. I'm not surprised that they don't even care that they didn't cut a profit. They feel like right. they're going to grow this and it's going to become the new best and bigger thing. I don't believe that. I don't think the PGA is going anywhere, and. I know the PGA is taking a hit, Mike. I watched a little bit of the tournament over the weekend. I'll be honest with you. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know some of these guys. Some of these guys have been lesser-tier guys on the tour, and now they're getting more exposure because some of the more name brands have right. left and went to live. But it's it's not helping the PGA Tour. No. But they're not going anywhere. No, but the PGA has got the big deals with, you know, with CBS and Absolutely. NBC. And by the way, you're going to find, as we said, uh, was it last month, you're going to find Live Golf on the CW. So apparently the, the real victim here is... Uh, oh, I'm excited. The real victim is Steve Harvey. <laughs> family Feud is going to be preempted on a CW on your Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, anyway, hey, another uh, story, and I thought this was interesting because I know you usually have tax people to do your taxes, not to put your business out there, and you've got professionals, and you do it later in the, in the tax year. I'm one of those early bird gets the worm. I want to know how much I owe when I get it out and I get it done early. Well, I just saw an article in Channel 2, IRS telling millions of Georgians to hold off on filing your income tax. Why? Well, good question. 19 states approve stimulus or rebate payments, and the agency has not yet decided how those funds will be considered by the IRS. In other words, if you've got a rebate check issued in 22, will that count as taxable income? Okay. So if you're like me, and I just cranked the whole thing out uh, over the weekend, I do it. I do turbo tax. It's like you know, it's like taxes for dummies. You know, yes, no, yes, send. You know. So I mean, because I used to itemize it, and Big Ray, I used to use my tax guy, and he used to drive him crazy, and he'd say, "Well, you can't itemize that." I'm like, "Well, why not?" He goes, "Because it's it's technically not true." I go, "Come on, Ray, let's stretch it a little bit." So, <laughs> so now I just take I just take the standard deduction. And I just move on. But if you do have more moving parts in your life, and again, this might not apply to everybody, but for some out there, you might want to slow roll unless you are like an idiot like me who do knocks it out early. Okay, that's good news to know. I mean, right. listen, the, the, here's the the problem that has happened over the last few years, and, and I won't get into the mm-hmm. the minutia of this, but in 2020 they changed so many things because of the pandemic, right? Um, which ultimately a lot of people got money. And then the IRS has come back and said, we want our money. 
So now mm. you've got people paying on money that they didn't think they had to pay on because they got free money, they thought, from the government. And so now you roll around, and there, there are tax changes that have happened, and I'm not a tax attorney or any of this, but I'm just telling you from my experience. Um, so there are a lot of new rules, to mm. Mike's point, and a new, new laws in place. So, yeah, man, do your homework. Make sure you're mm. getting, getting, getting your value because, you know, we all got to pay. Take your time on this deal. Don't rush it. And then uh, this weekend, guys, as you know, biggest game of the year. Ad revenue is going to be nuts. Are they going to get into the $750 million range? We're going to find out. But Fox has uh, sold out all their ads. So far, according to Advertising Age, the ads you're likely to like, Brian Cranston revisiting uh, a character from Breaking Bad. Uh, Danny McBride is going to be pimping uh, a detergent. Also, you've got Brian Cox, who plays Logan Roy on Succession. And uh, apparently this Caddyshack ad is going to be kind of funny. With him, I, I guess, kind of playing like a Ted Knight-type character. So I, 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 during the commercial break, I looked. I don't want to give it away because a lot of people, that's half the fun, is watching the commercials during the cross of the broadcast. But there are some good ones this year. We'll see what the, the advertising meters and metrics say about which ones were the best. Coming up, what else did Roger Goodell say? There are deals that are on the brink of being made in the NBA. Are the Hawks a part of any of them? We'll discuss coming up in the 5 o'clock hour next. <laughs> 